and welcome to this podcast. I'm Laura Horton. And I'm Michael Bentley. Happy New Year. Happy New Year and thank you for joining us. We hope you've all had a fantastic Christmas and New Year, whether you've been off work, in work, celebrating or relaxing. Uh, we hope it's been great for everyone. And uh, we're here, all fired up, ready for another fantastic year, aren't we, Michael? We certainly are. <laughs> I was speaking to somebody yesterday about Mondays and how I love Mondays. And this practice manager said, oh, wow, that's a really great attitude to have. And um, we were just speaking to a uh, dentist, weren't we, Michael, who was also saying how much they love Januaries. You know, it's sort of like my Monday thing. They love Januaries because it's such an exciting time of year. You know, we've got a year ahead of us. What's going to happen? Hopefully they know. Hopefully you've got a lot of plans uh, that are going to come into fruition. Hopefully it's going to be great for you all. But some people don't necessarily feel great about January, do they, Mike? <laughs> no, I think, yeah, January is a difficult month, isn't it? Because, you know, on the one hand, yes, I totally agree. You've got all these wonderful inspirational opportunities and it's a great month for planning and it's a great month for newness and all of those kind of things. I think all of those things are brilliant. But then you're battling the fact that, you know, you might be, you know, thinking about your health as well and, and you've got into bad ways and, you know, there's other things. And it's, and let's face it, it's dreary outside. You know, it's dark. The, the, the lights have gone off um and you know i and also money which is one of the questions that we've already got today is is in short supply in january isn't it you know people have pushed the boat out in december um and it's about you know making do with what you've got and and waiting for that you know january pay packet which seems to take quite a long time to get there doesn't it so i think you know but I would say let's concentrate on the positivity about January, which is it's, a, it's a cracking month for planning and 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 finding yourself really, isn't it? You know, it's I think it is good to start a new year, and it's also good to see how the year looks. I quite like looking at how the year is looking. Absolutely, and you know, it's a really important time not to be hard on yourself, but to be realistic. And I think with a new year comes a lot of expectation, and perhaps we put unnecessarily high expectation upon ourselves as well. You know, I know last night I felt physically sick because I was so hungry because I'm counting calories. You know, that's just ridiculous. I should have just had a biscuit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, it makes you feel any worse. I had a piece of Christmas cake last night. <laughs> So I felt better for myself this morning, but, you know, it was, uh, you know, silly to sit there feeling sick from hunger, um, you know, and such an unknown feeling to me. Um, it, it took my body by surprise. But, you know, we, it's important not to put unrealistically high expectations on ourselves, whether, like you say, it is your health, whether you're, you know, doing a new year, new me, get fit. Um, or whether it's just that you just want a healthier lifestyle, whatever it is, you know, don't put these unrealistic expectations on yourselves. And I think what we're discussing now does fall in nicely with we've had a few questions come through from different people, which we sort of summarised into two questions today. Um, the first question is about money. And these questions have come through from dentists. So I would just like to let everybody know who's not self-employed and who may not know this, that January is tax bill month. So we have to pay our tax bills by the 31st of January. And it's a very stressful month for a lot of people. And we can see that by questions we've been asked here um, about tax bills. So I'll, I'll read those out in a moment. And we've also got people at the other end 
who are wanting tips in regards to buying a practice. So we've had a few questions about buying practices. They're all different. So we'll just sort of put them into top tips. But I think let's talk about this financial, um, well, the financial aspects of tax bills, first of all. So we've had questions. Uh, my tax bills are getting bigger each year. Uh, I'm in more debt every year. I'm in an endless cycle of borrowing for my tax bills. Um, someone else has put not only the tax bills increasing, the, the uh, on-account amount in July is increasing as well. And yes, you know, tax has been completely changed. So yes, our tax bills are going to get higher. Um, people are feeling very stressed, very down, um, quite um, lost, I guess, I'm feeling particularly from one message. You know, what can I do? And, you know, I think it's, it's, it's a real shame. If you're in a situation right now where you're having to get a loan to pay your tax bill, you're having to do that for a reason. And I'd like to say, if, if you're doing that, you've got to focus on this year being the last year that you ever do that. You've got to get your house in order going forward because this is just a terrible situation to be in. It, you know, it really is. It would really hang, you know, the weight would hang on your shoulders, wouldn't it, to be borrowing thousands and thousands of pounds to pay a tax bill and you may already be looking at the amount due in July and thinking oh gosh another loan and, and if I really hope you're not there are so many positive steps that you can take to stop yourself being in this situation but I think first and foremost what we need to address are two things one tax is happening you're going to have two tax bills a year you've got your national insurance june july as well don't forget so you're going to have these payments going out it's like christmas they happen every year it's not a surprise it's not new and i think for me the other thing is that tax bills are going to increase they are increasing it does depend on how you're paid whether you're self-employed if you are a limited company and you're paying yourself that way you'll have noticed a big increase perhaps in the amount of tax you're paying but it's inevitable, isn't it? You know, what's that saying? Death and taxes, inevitable. You know, two things that happen. Let's add in Christmas. So we always have these times of year with worry and frustration, but there's so much that you can do. And for me, it's really just about being proactive and working out how much do you need to put aside each month to go into a separate account for your tax money it's, it's the simplest way to avoid this happening and that account you know I'd have that account locked down you can't access it you know I think that's just absolutely the best way to do it because it's a real shame isn't it Michael when we you know we're reading these questions that have come through and people are in you know sort of a bit of state of despair really over a tax yeah. bill it's quite a shame yeah. isn't it yeah absolutely and, and I think I think there is a lot that you can do and you can be really proactive uh, with this and you know I, I know it's something that you know we both do as self-employed people and that's actually knowing how much money you actually need to live on and that's really important and when we say to business owners a lot but also to dentists but also this can be for any you know provider you know at the end of the day you need to know what life actually costs you and your budget at home is really really important so you need to you know add up all of the things you need to do a complete budget 
for your home life and then decide you know how much actually is, is that and I know that when you know I was running a practice my three owners took a set salary every single month and it really made life so much easier to know that this is the amount of money they were taking one because it didn't affect cash flow in the business which if you've you know this is the other thing that dentists do at this time of year is they really deplete cash flows um, and go into overdrafts as well because they've got to pay their tax bill now um and you know in december you might have had the staff party that you've just paid for uh, or you paid a bonus that you felt under pressure to give and you know you really couldn't afford and things like that so there are certain things in december that happen to knock on this problem in january so my top tip really is to make sure that you take a, a salary home every month and fix that salary especially as the business owner only take out what you need for your home life and leave the rest in the business because every six months you can work with your accountants of going right where are you and how much money is there available to take as an extra dividend or an extra payment and that's a much better way of going because then when that money comes then you can invest it in nice things and things that you know you know are going to be okay for you so when you've set your salary what i would work with the accountant for then is actually working out how much you need to put in a tax threshold as well which is exactly what you know you and i actually do we work it out every month you know what do we need and what needs to go into tax and make that a monthly payment as well not doing it you know and and hoping that it's there in the bank actually do it as a monthly amount so you know you've got it um you should be at least 90 percent of the way there and it should be an accurate forecast based on the year before and that's something that your can accounting can definitely help you with so those are, are two things that you should be doing you know straight away and then my third tip really is that you do need to be doing a trading account which is in real time and that's making sure that you understand what the you know the income of the business is and what the expenses of the business is so that you can react to it as the year goes on and not a year later you know a lot of accountants you know take quite a number of months to get you know the last year's information for you and then you're looking at historical data that perhaps you should have made decisions about increasing prices about you know altering uh, expense budgets and things like that that you haven't actually done and now you're backpedaling straight away and that's a really bad position to be in so you need real-time figures so you need to be doing a real-time trading account that needs to be done every single month so that you can be making decisions you know as you're going along and i think this year particularly where we've got brexit hanging over us we don't know what's going to happen um you know we've got uncertainty in our market we've got an uncertainty really of people you know are they going to spend in the same way as they have been um you know how you know all the uh things that we buy in uh, to run our practices you know how are they going to be affected i mean i'm sure you know there are a, a number of companies that are going to use this brexit to increase their prices and also to uh, to make you feel like you've got to bolt by now you know heart you know store things in advance and things like that so you really need to be thinking about um where you are financially and making the right decisions and you know i have put in a blog post that will come out in a few weeks time that you know you really need to be thinking that um 
you know, if Brexit does increase the, your expenses, then you will have to increase your prices. But if you're not monitoring the effects of, you know, Brexit and, you know, those changes in your practice, and a, a lot of practices do the, will will be stoic and will take on all the additional expenses. And for me, I just think, do you know what? That's not good business sense. No national business is going to go, well, we're going to accept all of the uh, price increases that, you know, could be coming our way. They won't do it. So in dentistry, we mustn't do it either. Yeah, you've, you've just got to be strong and go, right, this is what dentistry now costs to do. And therefore, my prices need to be this you know, to offset the additional increases, because it's not just about your dental practice, it is about everything that's going on around you. And really less is more. I know that that, again, is a concept that people might need to have a think about, but actually, you know, sometimes we have to, you know, do less is more, you know, yeah. so that our pressures are in the right place. Obviously, if you're an NHS practice, you've, you've got to deliver you know, under the guidelines that you've got. And if, you know, the amount of UDAs you've got to deliver, you're going to have to deliver them in the time, um, you know, that it takes to, to do that. And, you know, that's, you know, you've got to look at the amount of money that you're getting, look at the expenses it's costing you to do that and make sure that you bring it in. And that, you know, that that's actually about being a business owner, isn't it? Rather than just working in the business. Um, yeah. Again, we've been talking a lot about that this year, haven't we, Laura, about actually, yeah. are you actually working on your business as a business manager and an owner, or are you just working in the business and hoping that, you know, by working hard in the business, you're going to actually um, be successful? And yes, you can be successful doing that, but actually the, the clever practices, the proactive practices are working on their business, and that's the important thing. All our advice really is about being proactive and not reactive. Yeah, and I think just hit, just coming off being proactive there, there are um, maybe <laughs> some people haven't even done their tax returns yet. And for me, I just want to just I don't want to sound negative to anybody who's either just got theirs or maybe got it in December. But the tax year ends in April. So for me, it's really important to have that tax return done by sort of you know end of april end of may to know what those tax amounts are going to be in yeah. january the following year in july the following year yeah. finding out at this last minute when actually we could have found out a good six months or more ago is again a very reactive place to be so yeah. it's you know my husband's also self-employed i can take every march He's, you know, really on it, making sure everything's right. It's ready to go. Um, it's ready to go on the first day of the new tax year. It's off to that accountant to get things done and organised. And, you know, it's a really great place to be in because you've got to think in advance. So doing it now, doing it on the 30th of January, it's all just too stressful. Perhaps make this year the year where you are going to be more proactive financially yeah, than you're reactive. absolutely right with what you've just said and i just want to share with the listeners which i don't normally do but actually you know being self-employed and you know it's been a new process for me over the last three years of being a consultant so i feel like i'm you know quite green to it still really um and uh this last year because you know it's still uh, tax is like a balance thing for people that don't know eventually it sort of balances out and i was always paying a big amount in january 
story and that's what I expected but actually because I've been uh, doing it for a few years now um, it was all changed this year and I did get my books in a little bit later than normal not greatly later um, and at the start of June I had a phone call from my accountant for my tax amount in July and it was a lot more than I was expecting and because I put the money away actually it was fine but it was still like gosh I didn't expect that to happen because I got so used to having a low tax bill in July and a high tax bill in January that actually um you know they've got me in sync now and actually it's pretty much the same in July as it is in January um, yeah. and that is a good thing moving forward but um the reason why I've, I've said that is because it was a surprise um you know and I said to my husband oh my goodness I didn't expect that it's a good job I've got the money on one side but I wasn't expecting it um and we're actually uh having a new bathroom at the time as well and uh so I was like oh okay so we just need to you know pull a few funds together and, and get that sorted um so that is interesting and that's exactly what you've just said you know you don't want a surprise and actually the, the further forward you can be then it, you know at least you know what you've got to pay um and you know it, it it does change doesn't it depending on where you are and what type of year you've had as well yeah and i remember saying in our i really remember saying this in our july uh, podcast that i had got my national insurance bill you know land in the post and i was like oh i forgot about that but although i'd forgotten about it financially I hadn't I'd been the money was in an account so the money's in an account it's there I know what it is I know it's due in July but when the letter came through it was just like oh yeah I forgot about that but it wasn't a worry it wasn't a concern because it's proactive it's dealt with it's the same as corporation tax you know it's not a surprise I've already I've worked it out you know every single month my you know accountant is telling me this is what your corporation tax bill currently looks like you know it's all about being proactive it's the same with VAT you know you have to be bang on it with that you know it's being proactive so I think that's the thing to take from this year I think we'll move on to the next sort of area now which is buying a practice so we'll just spend 10 minutes talking about this so we've had various different questions and we're just going to summarize it into um what are our top tips for buying a practice and this is a huge huge subject buying a practice really is is is, is a really big thing and I, again we don't want to sound negative in any way whatsoever here to me you've got to understand or you've got to have a really clear why why do you want to buy this practice and if your why is because my mates are that's not the right answer you have to have this burning desire in you to buy a practice to want a practice it, it has to be eating you up um, it has to be consuming your thoughts the majority of the time for you to make it a reality and that for that reality to work for you as well and for, so for me that's where I always start I mean I love that question Mike knows I love that anyway well what's the real what's your why for this then you know oh because someone else has did it no that's not a good enough answer you need a better answer before doing it um the why is such a huge thing you need to write that down you need to know your why you need to live and breathe your why because if you do buy practice there are going to be times that are really tough times that are really hard and you'll think, what on earth have I done? Why have I done this? You trust me, you'll have days like that. Just every now and then, but you will. So you need to know your why, because you need to be able to look at it and come back to it to go, yeah, that's why I'm doing this. I know why I'm doing this. Mm. It's clear, really, really clear to me. 
I mean, buying a practice now and dentistry, owning a practice, it's so different to, to 20 years ago. It's, yes. it's a completely different world now. And, you know, the dentist that perhaps Mike and I worked with when we first went into dentistry, they've lived in a completely different world to the dental practices that are there now, aren't they, Mike? It's a different world. Yeah, I, I, and I think, you know, that is a really important thing. If you're buying a dental practice now, yes, you may know dentists that are a lot older than you that have had incredible experiences. I mean, you know, I know the, the dentist that you work for, Laura, the dentist I worked for, you know, we've we've got them on our shrines, haven't we? You know, we, we you know, we praise them for everything that they've given to us and the experiences that they've allowed us to gain by working alongside them so <laughs> Um, but when they bought practices, you're right, it was it was totally different. You know, there was a lot more NHS contracts around. They were quite lucrative at that stage. You know, practices were, were going from NHS into private dentistry. Again, it was a new world. There was no compliance back then. Um, you didn't have to do the marketing that you have to do now. There wasn't the competition for space, for individualism, you know, for, you know, the amount of practices around you. There wasn't the mini corporates around. There wasn't the uh, the corporate numbers around doing uh taking different types of contracts because they're taking a lot more nhs away the corporates now um, than than they ever have been before so if you're uh, a person in you know going on this world of a new practice i would say one of the things is don't get too put off by you know an older person's story it is about why it is about why you want to have a practice now and i think what you you want to get out of a business and what perhaps you know my dentist want to get out of a business is totally different now because we already know that the 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 amount of money you can get from a practice is not the same as it was we also know the buy-in at the moment for a practice is very very high isn't it you know some of the valuations for dental practices now are extremely high um, and therefore you know it's hard to put a toe on, onto that ladder <clears throat> but as long as you know that when you go into buying a business that you want a business that you want to run something you want to be in control of it and you've got an idea of how much you're you know you need to take from that business and it might only be you know 30 to 50 thousand pounds you know a year um whilst you're actually starting to build your business and if that is okay with you and you can live on a reduced amount of money because you're building something for the future then i think that's a fantastic why you can also do the dentistry that you want to do and that's also a fantastic why especially if you're you know perhaps going down the private dentistry route where you decide how much time you're having for things how much you're going to charge you know the type of team that what you want around you the type of patient experience that you want to offer you know all of those choices you have by being a business owner that you wouldn't get if you're an associate because associates need to you know um have the same mindset as the business owner that you're working for and that's really important that if you're going to be an associate you need to be going to a practice where your mindsets are pretty much on balance otherwise that's going to be an uncomfortable experience from you not going to say that you're not going to learn things from it because you definitely are from uncomfortable experiences but it is you know it's a different journey so buying a practice you know, it is what you said, making sure you understand the why, making sure you're honest with yourself. How much do you need? So we go back to right from the same podcast, really. How much do you need to take home? 
Yeah. Make sure that you're saving for the tax bill. Make sure that, you know, you've got money to uh, continue to invest in your a fledgling business. Um, and if you want to do that, then you can. And also remember that, you know, there are different ways of doing it now. And you, you don't have to have two dentists buying a practice together. You don't, you, you don't have to have two people that buy a dental practice together. But actually, you can have different people alongside you now. You could have, you know, a dental nurse or a, a dental therapist or, you know, a hygienist or, you know, a business manager. Um, and we see very different, um, you know, uh, people joining together now don't we Laura that are, that are just having amazing practices but they bind them in different ways so you know and I think that's where all the newness and all the all the growth is and um you know I was listening to uh I can't remember who I was listening to but it was inspirational at, at, at an event and you know at the end of the day it's about carving a career that's right for you now we already know that compliance is here to stay, the HR rules are here to stay and they're only going to get, you know, um, you know, more difficult and, you know, having a team is a lot harder than it ever used to be. But actually, it's very rewarding. And I think as long as people know what they're getting themselves into, you know, that's fine. I think the problem is, as we, you know, the, the other end of the journey is, is that when we've been around something for a while is that it, you know taking on changes and keeping up with those changes gets a lot harder doesn't it but you know technology and digital dentistry and all of those things that are exciting they're here now aren't they and so those younger dentists are already a privy to all of that yeah they already know what all that's about and I think that's just as powerful because remember when our dentists first went into dentistry they had all that power at their fingertips they knew the dentistry of the decade and we're in a new you know we're in a 2019 now we're approaching another decade uh, you know next year and actually that you know that our new decade is looking so much different to you know uh, what's gone on you know two decades ago you know I, I think in our careers haven't we seen so many changes absolutely and it's it is fantastic, but it's an understanding that things are different and things have changed quite dramatically. I mean, I will say definitely, you know, that the younger dentists that are buying practices, they are, you know, so accepting of compliance and HR and staff training and systems. You know, it's, it's a, a much greater acceptance of that, whereas yeah. for everyone else obviously it's been you know a headache um it's just it's just by the by it's just the way it is of owning the practice i think the other thing really um that has to be addressed in this you know what are our tips for buying a practice that what has to be addressed without a doubt is a practice has a valuation and you have to appreciate that that valuation you know the price there does include you know a huge commission to the agent that doesn't necessarily that, you know, that valuation doesn't re actually reflect the value of the business and whether the business is even going to be profitable or worth having. And you have to have to have to have an accountant look at the business accounts of that potential practice you are going to buy before you put in an offer. Some people might not accept your offer. You can always withdraw it. That's fine. But before you proceed, an accountant needs to look over those business accounts. There are too many 
dentists find practices based on a valuation from an agent without looking at the accounts. And we know this one because we'll go in to support a practice and they'll say, oh, gosh, you know, nightmare. Um, the things I knew. But, you know, one of my, you know, my accountant is a very good friend of mine and he works with all sorts of businesses. And he said it's actually amazing how it is. In, why is it in dentistry that people buy businesses without looking at the accounts? Why is it in that profession um, where, you know, in all other professions that he deals with, it doesn't stand out to that to that level? So, you know, having the accounts properly looked over is essential. And I wouldn't be putting an offer in on any existing practice without seeing accounts. And I also don't think it's right to put offers in on practices uh, you know, if you're not 100 percent about moving forward, I don't think that's right either because people do do that. They might have two or three offers accepted and they're then, you know, sort of messing everyone around a little bit. So, you know, do things with a lot of integrity um, and do things in the right way. And I think, you know, what I've just said there will then probably lead on to, well, do you buy a squat then? You know, do you set up a squat rather or do you set up an existing practice? And this is, it just comes back to the why you've got to have a really clear why. If you've got a really clear why, you'll then know, actually, look, I don't want to buy that practice because it's got 30 team members. Or oh, I do, I wouldn't mind buying that one. It's got three team members. Or, you know, I don't want to inherit anyone. I want to choose all my own team. I want to choose everything. You know, then that's going to pull you towards that squat practice instead. So your why is essential, without a doubt understanding the finances understanding your finances that mike like mike has just said absolutely essential to buying a practice and i think the other thing just to just to add in the last minute is that gut instinct isn't it michael you know you've got to have a gut instinct whether something's right for you haven't you if yeah, you, I think you've got. Yeah, you've got to have that. I think. I think it's about drive and passion as well, isn't it? Yeah. If you're driven to do something and you really want to do it, then you're going to do it. And you know that buying a practice is a long-term game. It's not. You know, it's a bit like you know, a, a, a dog's not just for Christmas. A dog's for life. Mm. Uh, and that's the same as a practice. And you know, actually, it's going to take a lot of investment. It's going to take a lot of time. And it's not simply, you know, eight to four or nine to five job. Um, and if you're not passionate, then you, you are going to fail, aren't you? Because on the dark days, you've got to go back to why did I do this? And the long as you can go, well, I did it because I wanted to do this and this and this and this and this, then actually you'll re-motivate yourself very quickly. And I think that's so important. And I would say as well that, you know, a leap of faith is quite a hard thing to do isn't it but yeah. you know when it's right in your heart and I you know and again I'll just go back to a personal thing that you know when I was transitioning from a perhaps managing into a consultant I had many years of fighting with my own mind of you know do I leave my dental practice or and just do a consultancy or do I just keep going as I are as I as I was and then I got to my epiphany moment of hang on a minute here what am I doing 
my why is I would I do want to be a consultant now that that is where my journey is going and I am going to fully invest in that now and you know that's what I did and I know that's the same for you Laura you you, yeah. you, you know you took a bigger leap of faith than I did that's with without a shadow of a doubt um you know and I think that's really important if you believe in something you'll make it happen and you know that is so important in life you know if you've got no passion you won't do it you know, I filmed a three month TV show. A lot of people were like, how on earth did you do that? Quite honestly, I don't know, but I was <laughs> passionate about it. And you get through things that you are passionate about. Yeah. If there's no passion, don't even go there, you yeah. know, stay as an associate and, and make a, and be a really brilliant associate, you know, and make it count. And one of the tips, my last tip on it, really is that if you buy a practice you've really got to work with your patients yeah really really work with them you know you should love the patients you should love meeting them all take time to do that take time to you know actually get to know everybody and make a real difference in the practice that you've bought and don't let any previous dentistry hold you back absolutely and just to clarify owning a practice is going to be rewarding it's going to be amazing you're going to have clinical freedom all those things yes you will have but there is a reality that we just wanted to support everybody with today through the questions that we've had so we really hope that you know we have been able to help you you know with with these questions that have been sent through today as always whatever questions you have please send them through to us we'll answer them if like today we've had a few um that are similar then we'll bump them all together like we have today so please do keep sending your questions through to us and we hope you've enjoyed listening to today's podcast we'll be back next month and uh, something very exciting just to tell you is listen out for another podcast that's coming your way in the next couple of weeks featuring our first guest, and we're very excited to bring that to you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe so you can be notified of our next episode.